Welcome to the Corecast, where we interview Jewish leaders and discuss issues relevant to the Jewish community in Canada and around the world. I'm your host, Richard Rabkin. Welcome, Corecast listeners. I have the special privilege of having my very close friend, Rabbi Avi Berman, who's the executive director of OU Israel. Rabbi Berman, welcome to the Corecast. Thank you so much, Richard Rabkin, for having me here. Uh, in the COR offices in Toronto. This is very exciting. Very exciting. And we, of course, go way back. So uh, maybe you can, before you get there, you can tell us a little bit about yourself or if you want to say a little bit about where we know each other from in that story. But but tell us your story, where you came from, and how you got to OU Israel. Um, well, before the OU Israel, there was, a, there was an Avi Berman before OU Israel, believe it or not. But... Um, I was born in New York, like, you know, many families. We, Baruch Hashem, had the schos of moving to Israel when I was nine years old. Um, and uh, for me, it was like, wow, my, my parents are really making this move. Wow, we're really moving to Israel. And they moved us to this place called Kedumim, where there was not one other English speaker, uh, which forced me to go from not speaking a word of Hebrew to becoming a uh, Hebrew speaker within literally four to five months. Um, Kedumim was a beautiful village with about uh, 300 families and we were the only English speakers which uh, was a challenge but I feel it it shaped me to be the Israeli that I am today Um, and when, you know, thank God Baruch Hashem, I I grew up in Kedumim then afterwards we moved to Maladumim, a little Harnof uh, but ultimately after high school in Oratzion I decided to go to Shiloh for, for Hesder um, met my wonderful wife Penina, had uh, three boys, and was, I was working for uh, with Benaki Volami, uh, and bringing Torontonians, Canadian, uh, Canadian Torontonians, uh, South Africans, and Australians to Israel, and giving them a very positive experience of what's happening in uh, in Israel, and ultimately <clears throat> getting to uh, getting to influence them in a, in a positive way about how they should view their lives and how they should view their relationship with Israel and Torah. And that was going beautifully. Um, and that somewhat fed in, fed, fed, in, fed, 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 fed okay. in, in, into, yeah. so that's my Israeli side. That's right, that's right. <clears throat> into, the, uh, into that desire that I had for years in trying to connect my, my North American roots to my new Israeli roots, right? Where I felt that there was somewhat of a disconnect, okay? Where I had all my cousins and my aunts and uncles and grandparents that were living in America and here we were in Israel, and like two different worlds that were, you know, somewhat connected, but but where where we find them all together. So um, that brought me to uh, uh, when I was, you know, uh, twenty five years old, <clears throat> asking a real question. You know, we have three kids today, going to my Rabbi and asking him, okay, if I have this passion of, of helping out North American Jewry, it's one thing to do it in Shiloh with a few uh, kids that are coming over. But how do you do it on the mass? Um, which is at the point he said, you know something? Now is time to go to Shlichot. Now is the time to look for different communities that need uh, somebody, that, they, that want somebody that's going to come in and, and bring somewhat of a Torah Teretz Yisrael to the community. Uh, it was clear to me that I'm going to be working with teens because being a public rabbi was really not what I was looking for. Um, and uh, um, I was actually going to sign here on the Bayit in Toronto. Last minute, we signed in Vancouver, uh, which is ultimately how I met you, Richard. 
which was, you know, such a great day in my life. The highlight, obviously. One of the biggest days of my life, I must be honest. Um, because it was, I think, the first or second day I was in Vancouver. Uh, and I see you and Shuli Boxer sitting in Sabra uh, restaurant. I think it's called a restaurant, right? Uh, something sitting, like that. Uh, in, uh, in Vancouver. Um, and for me, it was like, okay, I, I'm here. I'm on a mission. I really want to, you know, bring whatever I have to give to the community. Uh, but the fact that you and Shuli really embraced me, and you were so involved in NCSY before I got there, and you, you know, you were working with the with the teens that were there, you, you embraced me in such a warm and welcoming way that I said, you know, something, wow, this community really wants me. Um, and, and then I just came and you know hit the ground running and said, you know, something, I'm really going to bring everything because they really want it. Uh, so you were instrumental, uh, and I know you left Vancouver literally right after that. Uh, but for, but for me that was uh, a moment where I said you know something this is this is how I'm going to connect my Israeli side with my North American side even though I'm from New York Vancouver is still part of North America same same culture same same people uh, and, and that really was where uh, where I took it um, and for me that was my first exposure to the OU uh-huh. uh, you know until then I knew it was a kosher supervision. I uh, had no idea NCSY was connected to the OU. I had no idea what Yachad was. I had no, no idea, you know, JLIC, um, all the other great activities that the OU has. Uh, even the Israel Center in Yerushalayim was always called the Israel Center. And today everybody knows it as the OU Israel Center. Um, but it was then the Israel Center. And, and even though I went there for classes and I, I, I knew what, 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 uh, that the place existed, I never, ever connected it to the OU. Uh, definitely not to the OU that you see on, uh, as a symbol on kosher supervision. Uh, and it was me moving to Vancouver and, and being exposed to, oh my gosh, are you serious? The budget that we're running in CSY here is, you know, for in a big part coming from the revenues that we have from kosher supervision. That's incredible. What a great, what a great model. Um, and, and like the COR, it's a it's a non for profit and, and really helps the Jewish people. Uh, so the so the OU became for me like wow, this is a great platform that can really help the Jewish people with. Um, so we did five years in Vancouver. Um, we moved there with three boys. We moved back to Israel with five boys. Uh, and today, Baruch Hashem, my wife and I have uh, nine children, a grandchild, Baruch Hashem, our oldest is married uh, to a wonderful girl. And it's uh, it, it's just um, been a roller coaster, a positive roller coaster. All uh, up, though, all up. All up, all up, all up, because the, the scary parts are too scary, right. the down parts. So uh, go, going up really is, is is seeing the Jewish world every day from a little higher, a little higher, a little higher, and and, and with, with a, a sense of, of, of security. Saying the Jewish people are moving in the right direction. We we have challenges, but but we're moving in the right direction. So on that escalating um, roller coaster that kept going up, you went from Vancouver, and then I think that after a five year stint, you went to to the OU, and you tell the story. But I think that you ended up at OU Israel. So I notify the OU that I'll be leaving Vancouver and heading back to Israel. Um, and the next day, I got a call from Steve Savitsky, who was then the president of the OU, uh, and he said, Avi. Um, if you're really going back, we would rather you stay in Vancouver, but if you're really going back to Israel, <clears throat> then we would appreciate you taking the uh, position of uh, executive director of the OU in Israel. And they said, well, well, well what, what is this all about? And, you know, so give me a couple of days. Uh, went to discuss it, of course, with my rover, Ramon Khalil, um, and uh, learned a little more about, you know, the different things that the OU is doing in Israel. And suddenly I saw, wow, it's in Israel, which is my number one passion. 
It's dealing with teenagers, which is my second number one passion. It's dealing with Aliyah, which is, wow, my third number one passion. And it's dealing with uh, kosher, which is another major passion that I have. And I said, wow, this is like the, 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 the place where I can continue helping the Jewish people. And since then, it's just been, wow, how do we take this place with, with, with uh, uh, such a plethora of, uh, of, of great activities that are happening? And how do we turn it into um, uh, an organization that's going to be, you know, very OU-minded as far as professionalism, as far as, you know, being, you know, secure and, and sure of where you are, but, but not losing that, that, that uh, uh, connection to the, to the ground, right? The connection to the field, connection to people. Uh, so when you look at the, you know, Pearl and Harold Jacob Zula Outreach Center that we have in, in the center of Yerushalayim, when you look at all the clubs that we have across the country, the, the J, uh, Jackie Gindi, right, the program, in the, you know, in 20 different clubs across the country, Makam Balem, and all these different uh, activities, you say to yourself, you know, how exactly do you see North American Jewry influencing, you know, some kid in Dimona, some kid in Kirat um, But But I think it's Dafka that. I think the, the OU really symbolizes what it means of Haver and Kol Yisrael and bring Klai Yisrael to a place where we show, you know something, we, we really want to stick together. I know that in, uh, in today's political arena, it's hard to think about the fact that we all get along, but we really do. We really all love each other. And, you know, maybe we'll talk a little later about, you know, the political side of what's happening in Israel. But, but the reality is, is that uh, we have a, a wonderful nation. Uh, there's a lot of work. There's a really a lot of work. I mean, the amount of teen, we, we have six and a half thousand teenagers every month coming through our clubs. And each and every one of them needs a, a big hug and needs a lot of love and needs a lot of attention and needs advisors and needs everything. Um, and uh, uh, when, when talking, you know, the OU Israel Center, we had, we had 110,000 people through the building this year coming from class for classes and shiurim and you name it. It's the biggest balabat yeshiva in the world. Okay? So we opened NCSY in Israel. We opened Yachad in Israel. We're really doing a, a wide variety of activities that are making sure that those that are making Aliyah can really do it in a nice and good and comfortable way. Um, make sure that their kids are, are connecting to the land of Israel uh, and, and not being frustrated and taking that out on Yiddishkeit, uh, taking that out on their relationship with their parents. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I, I until... Uh, you know, until I knew you, I didn't realize all that OU does in Israel for those uh, drop-in centers, mm-hmm. um, which is really fantastic. And I guess those are geared towards Israeli kids. But it seems like over the past few years, you've opened up NCSY in Israel um, for English-speaking kids. So what was the impetus for that, and how is it different? So the, the centers that we have, uh, wherever wherever there's an uh, English-speaking uh, presence, like in Yushalayim, like in Beit Shemesh, we have... You know, English-speaking uh, teens coming as well. Uh, the Zula and Yerushalayim, we have probably about 30-40% uh, English speakers that are coming to the center. Um, and uh, and get, getting the same amount of love and, and passion that uh, every other kid is getting when they come there. Uh, but NCSY was opened uh, much more in a mindset of uh, focusing on the kids that have literally made Aliyah in the last couple of years. Um, and what you hear from a lot of kids... Uh, and and this this is the reason we created NCSY is like oh you know my parents brought me here I'm gonna do the SATs I'm gonna go back to America, right? Uh, and I'm not saying America <clears throat> I'm not saying America is a bad bad place, but I am saying that if the family is living in Israel the kids should probably be living next to the parents, right? Um, and ultimately we're all gonna be moving to Israel hopefully very soon, right? I mean, um, but what what we were finding was that the 
the teenagers that were making Aliyah at a, a later age, um, like any, any community around the world, has their unique challenges, right? We spoke about that before. Um, but the challenges were many times taken out on, uh, you know, uh, points that are going to annoy the parents, right? So if the kid's trying to get attention, trying to, he'll always say, oh, well, why'd you bring me here? I hate it here, right? Uh, similar to, you know, why a kid here in uh, Thornhill or a kid in Toronto is going to come and say, you know, I, I hate this neighborhood that we're living in. We should move to a different neighborhood. Or, you know, why do you send me to this school? Or why do we go to this shul, right? I mean, we, you know, we hear these sentences from our kids uh, on a constant basis. And, and, and I'm not, not suggesting in any way shape or form, that we should be dismissing these comments that are coming out of the kids' mouths. Uh, I think that they all deserve attention. I think that they all deserve a hug. I think that they all, they all deserve listening to. I think that they all deserve to be embraced and, and really refined to, to try to understand what is what is um, challenging the teenager and, and how we could deal with it in a better way. Um, but the reality is, is that the kids that are coming to Israel... Um, when they're connecting and going straight into Israeli or Israeli youth groups, fantastic, great. Just go there, continue thriving in Israel. But the NCSY was created to take those that still feel uh, like they're North American, like they're Australian or, or, or British, um, and make them Israelis. We purposely make sure that all our advisors are Bugre Shirut Lumi, that all made Aliyah when they were younger, that they all did Shirut Lumi, they all did Hezder, they all did, you know, uh, Yeshiva, um, and that they are coming from a place where they are fully Israeli today and loving the land of Israel and are passionate about the land of Israel and excited to be there from good, you know, good Jews. Um, which is trickling down into the into the younger teens that are coming to uh, to NCSY, in understanding like, oh wow, there's something great that we can be doing here, and, and I don't have to be uh, a burden on the Israeli society because I don't speak the language, or because no, I can do something substantial here. Uh, and uh, our goal is really to make sure that they're they're, they're continuing in the right misgerot uh, um, tracks. Uh, in Israel, and thank God, we, the, from the surveys that we're doing at the end of every year, the numbers are going up and up and up. I believe the number of this past year is at 94% of our kids that, that go through NCSY, and we're talking about over 300 kids, all feel that they are passionate about the land of Israel a lot more because of NCSY, and that they see their future in the land of Israel, which, which for us is like, oh my gosh, this is, this is tremendous. Beautiful, and it's such an interesting point, too, is that NCSY is kind of a curable organization, but NCSY Israel, I guess, is doing Kiru for Yiddishkeit and Kiru for Israelkeit, if you will. Uh, I will. I will. I think that uh, that Israel is is the biggest blessing that the that God gave the Jewish people in the last hundred years, uh, probably in the last two thousand years. Okay, but uh, and you see what's happening in Israel, and you see the the. The, the security that the Jewish people has today because of the state of Israel. You see that the, uh, the, Israel, the Jewish people are just thriving because of the state of Israel in, in many, many, many ways. And, and I think it's a partnership. I think that the, the Israel is thriving because there's support from North American Jewry, uh, because of support from Jewry around the world. And uh, the, uh, the Jewry around the world is thriving because they have the state of Israel. I think it's a, it's a Habaha Talia. Um, and, and we hope to be able to continue that hopefully until everybody moves to Israel, like we said before. But, um, um, the, the uniqueness of NCSY in Israel really comes from a place where we, we understand that there's a connection, again, Habahatalia, between what a kid is going to want to say, um, when he's trying to take frustration out and the, uh, the negativity that he might develop towards Yiddishkeit. 
Um, so if a person is trying to get attention from his parents, he knows that the first thing that he should do is, you know, probably walk around the house without a yarmulke, or, uh, you know, um, just sit and chill in the corner on your phone, on your iPhone, or, um, you know, uh, decide, uh, I don't know, that he's going to get a zero on a test in Gemara. Um, and these are typical things that we see in North America and in Israel. Uh, but when, uh, when kids in, uh, in Israel, after they made Aliyah, trying to get that attention, and they're purposely taking it out on Yiddishkeit, then there's uh, a, um, a crack in the foundation of these two incredible values that the parents are trying to give out to the kids of both Israel and the Yiddishkeit. So you mentioned at the beginning one of the passions is working with kids, and the other one is kosher. So let, let's talk about that for a second. What is OU Israel doing in terms of kosher in general? So, OU Israel is focused on, um, uh, back in the day, 30, 40 years ago, when we started Kashrus in Israel, it really was focused on, <coughs> excuse me, export, to make sure that the, you know, incredible Bisley and Super Snacks and Bamba that we have in Israel will be able to come to North America, and that you can walk into whatever store here in uh, Toronto, I'm not going to advertise any, uh, and say, okay, I want to buy a bag of Bisley, I know that it has the OU on it, I know I can trust it, and it's perfect. Uh, so that was the goal for many, many years. Uh, now that there's so much of a North American community in Israel, uh, and the Israeli population is flying to North America and being exposed to the uh, the OU, the COR, and in, in, in so many great ways, uh, and learning that wow, there's there are more kosher agencies than just the you know the the ones that we used to in Israel, uh, and I could trust them, and the the borders have opened up, and the, tra- the transportation is is so much easier. Uh, a lot of products you know are coming from America to Israel, right? So whether it's uh, you know Hershey's or it's uh, Heinz ketchup or it's Hellman's mayonnaise or you name it, it's coming to Israel. Uh, ultimately, it's coming in you know with the OU or it's uh, uh, going from Israel to to America with the OU, uh, and, and and people want to know that they want to trust it. So today in Israel, we're much more focused on also providing for the English speaking tourists and locals. Um, OU restaurants, OU uh, supervision on factories, to make sure that they could really, uh, you know, rely on the kashras that they're very familiar with, and the kashras that they say thank you to. Uh, you know, when people see that the the Zula centers or NCSY etc. are funded by so much of the kashras revenue of, of OU, they're saying, "Wow, this is incredible." Um, so now another perception that people have about kashrus in Israel is that it's a lot more complicated than it is here in North America. You know, we have uh, hashgachas that people know and recognize, the OU, the COR, and they know whether or not they conform with their standards, but there's a feeling when you go to Israel, you don't really know, does this conform with my standards or not? Why is that exactly, and is there anything that we can do to help people navigate that? So a couple of things. First of all, and I know you did not bring me bring me here to plug COR, but uh, I must be honest. Walking around Toronto the last two days, and I'll be here for one more day, um, meeting with friends and going to different restaurants and establishments here, and seeing COR as the gold standard for the entire Toronto uh, is a sense of comfort. It's a comfort for many reasons, <clears throat> and I'm sure you know them. But but I, I, it's important that I, as an OU person, say it. Um, when you have one kashrus that is in charge, especially when it's when it's ethical and moral, like the COR is, especially run under your, your direction, Richard. Um, I'll be paying you later. <laughs> uh, um, you, you know that any establishment that you're working in, w- walking into, is not doing a uh, uh, a bidding 
a kasha's bidding between different kosher agencies to come and say, oh yeah, who, who's willing to compromise the most uh, for me to give them the kashas? Um, and when you have uh, <clears throat> places where you have five, six, ten kashrus agencies that are fighting for the for the establishment, uh, that all that automatically is going to, in many cases, compromise the level of kashrus that will, you will have in that establishment. Um, so here in here in Toronto, uh, you know, and, and places with the OU Manhattan, for example, right, where where the OU says, listen, this is our standard. It's not like if you threaten us that you're going to go to somebody else, we're going to lower our standard. This is the standard. Um, and we're not going to be machmir crazy, and we're not going to be makel crazy. This is kosher. This is, you know, these are the OU standards, the COR standards, which I believe are, are, are very similar. Um, so, so that is what we're going to follow. And it's, uh, you yourself, you want to bring in five mashgichim to, that gives them to hate. But the CR demands one mashgich, right? Um, and that is the standard. And when you know that there's no competition inside Toronto, it, it, for me, as a kosher consumer, it makes me feel a lot more comfortable. That I know that the, it's in good Ehrlich hands and that it's uh, that it's a, a real good kashras. So when it comes to Israel, we have many, 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 many kashras agencies, um, and, and for many it's a business, uh, and for many it's parnasa. Uh, and I'm not coming and saying that they're not doing a good job, but I'm coming and saying that uh, the OU is not in to make make more money for any individual. It's not a business where we're coming and saying, oh, you know, we need to we need to make our goals this year. Uh, you know, if we have revenues at the end of the year, then we're able to help out NCSY and we're able to help out uh, the Zula uh, on a greater scale. If we have less revenue, then unfortunately we we will be able to help out less. Uh, but it's not a it's not a business where people come and say, oh, you know, this is these are my goals for the year, etc. It's it's very very different. It's a different mindset. Um, and therefore, when when dealing with kashrus in Israel, I, I will say that our goal is to make sure that people are going to be educated. Okay, uh, in Israel you have many, many kashrus agencies. Those that you should trust, and those that you should trust less. Um, and uh, our goal is we, we just opened the program in Israel called the uh, Gustav and Carol Jacobs Education Kashrus Education Center uh, with the Rabbi Ezra Friedman, uh, an original Montrealer actually, uh, who's heading it. Um, the goal is to create a, a weekly column in Torah Tidbits that is talking about Kashrus uh, challenges, to create a weekly uh, Kashrus shear in the OU Israel Center so that people can come and hear about Kashrus. It's uh, creating videos and, and different podcasts that are going to be going out to educate people about Kashrus. And the goal is that when, once a person is educated about Kashrus, right, it, it ultimately comes to a place where he's going to walk into a restaurant, he's going to walk into a hotel and say, Okay, could you please answer, where's the mashgiach? I want to ask these five or ten questions, right? And when people are going to start asking these questions, I believe the restaurants, the hotels are going to automatically up their level of, uh, of kashos because they're going to see, wow, people really care about this. Um, uh, you know, uh, whether it has to do with Bishul Yisrael, it has to do with, with uh, Chal Yisrael, whether it has to do with uh, which, which kashroses they're willing to let into the restaurant, uh, even though there's a two of X, are they willing to let YZ and, and F into the, uh, into the establishment? You know, different questions that, that, that should be uh, taught to people and, uh, and educate them to be able to walk into restaurants and walk into establishments and be able to ask the right questions. But what are, do you know of some specific issues, problems that people should look out for? Basically, you alluded to the fact that, you know, some people are doing it for, for Parnassa, right? So that can be a challenge because obviously you may lower your standards so that you can keep an establishment on board so that they can 
basically continue to pay. But are, are there any other things that you know of challenges um, in I- Israeli hashgachas that people, and again, obviously you're not naming names, but, but challenges that people should look out for? Um, is it because people, some, some of these agencies, maybe they don't have the same sophistication with respect to uh, manufacturing equipment? Like, are, are, are there any other specific issues that you know of? I think it's important to check out uh, um, what ingredients they're willing to let inside the product, right? Which which consciousness are they willing to let in, right? Uh, just because a person might have, you know, this and this and this famous uh, uh, or not famous tuda on their, their wall, <clears throat> I think when you walk in and you start asking, okay, so what ingredients do you allow here, right? Say, oh, badatim. When you, when you say badatim, which ones do you mean, right? Uh, and become educated. Right, um, uh, when you're talking about Chal Yisrael, right? W- what is Chal Yisrael? Is it every Chal Yisrael? Is it uh, what what qualifies as Chal Yisrael? Uh, there are a lot of questions that should be asked, and you know, there's a short podcast to start getting into the questions, right? But uh, you know, I, I'll give the example, right? If 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 I'm going to say here on a podcast, you should be walking into a restaurant and asking, "Is there a mezuzah on the door?" Right? Uh, so people are going to walk in and say, "Okay, is there a mezuzah on the door?" And the guy's going to post, "Yeah, yeah the mezuzah on the door." Right, but if they're not sophisticated enough and they're not educated enough to say, wait, wait a second, is there a cloth inside? Yes. It, it, who's the sofa? Right? Is there, you know, is the kosher? Is is this a sofa that is on the list of of kosher um, sofrim? Then anybody could give a, a washed down answer. Oh, there's a mezuzah on the door. Great, you can walk in. Uh, our goal is to educate people, to make sure that people understand and they know what to ask when they're walking into the establishments. So knowing what questions to ask, and I guess the OU will be coming, OU Israel will be coming out with more <coughs> information um, forthcoming to, to, to help people make those decisions. Correct. Okay, we, we literally hired Rabbi Friedman December 1st, brand new program. and uh, Okay, uh, so stay tuned. 100%. Okay, before I let you go, I feel I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about um, the Israeli political situation. I know that the o- OU in general is apolitical, as is the COR, um, so I'm not asking you to comment on one particular party or another, but we here as observers in, in Chutzla Arts in the diaspora are look to Israel and we so closely follow it and are passionate about it, but it seems like there's just this political gridlock which is mystifying and concerning. So can you, as an expert on the ground, can you share with us a little bit of your insight as to what in the world is going on? So as you said correctly, the OU is an apolitical organization, as is the COR. Uh, and our goal is not to come and say, listen, vote this way or, the, or vote that way. Uh, our goal is twofold. One is to make sure that the politicians, and no matter what party they're coming from, are aware and acknowledge and um, give the attention that they should to the English-speaking community in Israel, okay, to the uh, feelings of North American Jewry. Uh, and, and therefore, we find ourselves many times connecting different members of Knesset, different ministers, that are many of them are very, very close friends of mine, uh, to the the feelings and the emotions of, of North American uh, Jewry, whether living in North America or living in Israel. That's A. Um, B, our goal is really to um, put pressure on the government, and, and, and as we see, unfortunately, it's not been working, is to, uh, to understand that we're, we're one people, right? Uh, we see it as a very sad situation that we have 120 members of Knesset and they can't find 61 that are willing to sit with each other. It is, it is sad. It is, it is, in many ways, uh, detrimental to our kids' education. In many ways, it's coming and saying um, to our younger generation, it's okay to fight and not get along. 
And I think that that's horrible. I think that that is a message that that is is so bad that we're, we're allowing that to happen. That we 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 as as leaders in the community we have to scream out and say you can't continue doing this to our younger generation because they're always going to look back and say oh so over here they didn't get along and, and no we can't have that and I know that in a few hours we might decla- be declaring in Israel elections again and I really really pray to God that that if we have to go to elections again that we um, first of all everybody use the democratic uh, right and goes out and votes. Uh, but B, uh, I just told my wife today that, you know, if this happens, I'm going to be leaving APAC early to come back to Israel and, and vote because they're making it smack in the middle of APAC. Um, but uh, second of all, the, the the vote should be based on who's willing to get along with more people. And uh, I think that that's an important goal. What is it, though? What exact what is happening in the political mm-hmm. landscape that this mm-hmm. continues to happen that, you know, this, this gridlock is happening. What is it? Um, I think the gridlock is about, ultimately the, the, the political, um, political platform has not changed. Okay. The only thing that has changed is that the Lieberman, Victor Lieberman, who used to be part of the Likud, you know, Yisrael Beitenu, always went with the right wing, uh, with the religious parties. And now he's decided that he's not going to do that. Uh, and therefore, that is the entire change in in, in what happened. Uh, other than that, there's no real change. There's a there's a pretty much you know equal blocks as far as as who's voting to uh, on which side. You know, you have 55, you have 60, but but big adult, it's not really changed. The the Arabs are still getting the same amount of votes. The uh, left uh, center is getting the same amount of votes. The right wing and religious are getting the same amount of votes. But Lieberman was always part of the right wing and uh, Likud slash uh, ultra orthodox Sephardic community, and, and now he decided that he's not going to do that. So it's it's not much of a change. It's just one person that decided to to, to shake things up uh, and say, okay, we need a unity government. Um, and uh, what's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a prophet yet. I'm working on it. But I guess we need unity, and maybe if you can end it off on a on, on a positive note, which I which I know you love to do. Um, Israel is such a beautiful place, and you know there's all these stories. My mother uh, made Aliyah and lives there. Um, thankfully, she has the honor, and so she sends me only in Israel stories all the time. So, from your perspective, how does it look? So, uh, let me just let me t- just tell you the last two days. Okay, the last two days are me driving in Israel uh, on Sunday night. And uh, driving through a Haredi neighborhood, Ezra's Torah in Yerushalayim, and seeing four Haredim stand around the car. And then when I got close, I saw that literally smack in the middle of them, two on each side. Smack in the middle of them is this female with a Yedidim. You have here Haverim. Yeah. So in Israel, there's Yedidim. Yedidim vest, uh, fluorescent vest. And she's standing there at 9.30 p.m. trying to break into the car. She's clearly a secular woman. And she's trying to break into the car of the Haredi because he forgot his keys inside. Right? Uh, and I'm like, how about you politicians look at this? Right? How about you look at my family WhatsApp group? I've got two brothers-in-law that volunteer in Ichud Atzala, two that volunteer in Zaka, uh, two, three that volunteer in Yedidim, two nephews that volunteer in Yedidim, and there's a family competition, positive competition, as to who helped more people in the last, right? right? My brother's showing with his truck how many people he got out of the mud. And my brother, my other brother-in-law was talking, you know, how many trees fell on people and he was able to get, it's, it's just unbelievable to see that the, the call goes out, and it makes no difference whether he's wearing a yarmulke, she's 
wearing a shaitel, he's wearing a skirt, uh, she's wearing a skirt, uh, it makes no difference what you look like. The call comes out, you know the model of the car and you know the license plate number. You don't know anything else about the person sitting inside. And therefore, the, the Jewish people are so loving of each other, they're so caring about each other. Look at this, North American Jewry is sending the OU to Israel to help teens at risk in Dimona. Like, 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 Klal Yisrael is one. We're connected. I walk through families here in Toronto that are so excited to help us support the programs in Israel. Why? Because we love each and every Jew. And I, I think it's about time that we stop looking at our politicians for guidance and our politicians start looking at the people for guidance. Beautiful. That's a beautiful way to end it. And uh, I just want to say again, what a pleasure it is to have you here. And it's so fantastic that over 20 years later, in that meeting at Sabra's uh, that we had, that we're still such close friends and we're still working in the Jewish world. So continue. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming on the Corecast. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show for today. I know it's so hard to say goodbye. So if you enjoyed the Corecast, you can find an archive of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the COR website at cor.ca. See you next time on the Corecast.